Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org radio.org. Now, here's our show today. In the last few days of the Lord Jesus' life on this earth, he was preparing his disciples for this great moment. His preparation to them was, as Peter said in 2 Peter 1.19, and we have the prophetic word made more firm, to which you do well to give heed as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is Matt Miller with Francis Ball for a life study program that's like a light shining Mm. in a dark place. Welcome back, Francis. Thank you very much. Francis, today we've come to Mark chapter 13, and this is a chapter of prophecy. Before we get into chapter 13, though, I'd like to ask you to give us the background and how the Lord was preparing the whole situation for his upcoming death that was just in a matter of days from this point. Well, it is true that the Lord had done a lot of preparation, and not only on his followers and the crowd, but also on the opposers. And he even warned us. He said not to be influenced by the scribes. He says they knew something about Christ's humanity. They did not know anything at all regarding his deity. So the Lord is opening up the uh, exposure here for those who are opposing him. They were empty, vain teachers of the Bible. That's a description for the scribes. They knew the outward things, but they didn't know Christ and his deity. They were lacking in the reality of Christ. In their living, there was no reality. Instead, they were seeking position, respect, honor, and even glory. So he warned us not to be influenced by the scribes. Let me read that warning. Actually, it's in chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. He said, in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues, and places of honor at the dinners, who devour the widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater judgment. The Lord is warning us about pretense there, isn't he, Francis? Yes, he certainly is. You know, there's one sentence in the life study that kind of summarizes this uh, feeling from chapter 12 
and the warning, I'm just going to read it. It's from page 340 of the Life Study. Witness Lee says, We should be warned concerning those who lack the inward reality of Christ and yet are seeking position, respect, honor, and glory. So that's his opposers, the ones who are outwardly religious but inwardly lacking reality, having a pretense. So he prepared them, in a sense, and he prepared the disciples by warning them. Francis, can you summarize the situation in Mark chapter 11 and 12 that's leading up to today's program in chapter 13? Well, he prepared the disciples now by warning them, first of all, and then by opening to them what they really needed to see as to what he was doing. We see that the Lord, he was doing three things. He was entering into Jerusalem and lodging in Bethany, and he was cursing the fig tree, which was a symbol of Israel, and cleansing the temple, which was a religious center, and being tested and examined. These are the things that were happening with the opposers. Actually, he was not stopping them, but he was really urging them on because his coming death was very uh, near. Francis, we were fellowshipping uh, before the program today, and you had a quote from the life study that uh, might be applicable for you to read right now. I think it would be. This is on page 341. It says, With respect to the opposers and the environment, everything had been prepared. The people had been gained by the Lord, and the situation had been subdued by Him. Those who tested and examined Him could not find anything at all wrong with Him. They did not have the legal ground to do anything to Him. Nevertheless, they had been prepared by the Lord's confrontation with them to do whatever was necessary to kill him. Francis, this is a great uh, background for the situation we've got for today's Life Study program, which is on Mark chapter 13. So I'd like to read the very first verse, and we'll read a few more verses as we go on. But Mark chapter 13, verse 1 says, And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones... And what wonderful buildings. Francis, let's go to Witness Lee. This is the same wonderful stones and wonderful buildings that the Lord had just basically condemned. So let's go to Witness Lee for today's life study. Chapter 13. This is mainly considered as a chapter of prophecy. But we have to realize this is not just merely prophecy, but also a preparation the Lord had over his disciples. From chapter 13, the Lord turned to his disciples, not more with those uh, apostles. He turned himself absolutely to his disciples and to have some private time with them. You have to realize the entire situation that was quite uh, solemn, also quite serious, yet the Lord Jesus took it very, very comfortably. He brought his disciples out of Jerusalem, yet when he was going out of the temple with the disciples, they said, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. <laughs> You see, 
No wonder the Lord Jesus did that much right before them, in their eyes, to impress them that from that time onward, he, as God himself, had nothing to do with that temple, with that Jewish nation. He cursed the symbol of that nation, and he just overthrew the contents of uh, that center, the temple, indicating that he was through with the Israel. He was through with that nation. He was through even with that temple. Actually, according to Matthew, he was uh, forsaking it. He said, I just leave your house, no more God's house. He considered the temple no more the house of God, but their house. I leave your house to you for desolation. He walked out. And this walking out, you have to realize, was one of a forsaking step. After this waking out, the Lord Jesus never came back to the temple until it was destroyed. Francis, so we start out with the disciples appreciating the stones, appreciating the buildings, and eventually the Lord walking out. And I think that uh, we need to stop here and make sure this is real clear. To help, I'd like to read the verse that Witness Lee just referred to in Matthew chapter 23. It's verse 38, and it says, Behold, your house is left to you desolate. It used to be referred to as the house of God. Now the Lord called it your house. And then this corresponding uh, portion here in Mark is verse 2 from chapter 13. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There shall by no means be left here a stone upon a stone which shall not be thrown down. Francis, can you connect the dots? Well, I believe we can see here that the Lord Jesus had sought to impress his followers with the fact that at this point, he had no longer anything to do with the Jewish nation or with the temple. He cursed the fig tree, a symbol of the Jewish nation, and he cleansed the temple. These actions indicated that he, as God, was through with Israel and the temple for that period of time. Okay, well, that's pretty clear. Okay, we needed to be clear about this one point before we go on. Basically, the Lord's done with religion. Okay, Francis, let's read the next few verses. Mark chapter 13, verses 3 through 4 tell us, And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Here's Witness Lee as we continue. They went to Mount Olive, and they said there, You just consider, if you were the Lord Jesus, would you have a heart to sit there? That was great. That was really great. And that indicated he was at peace. Don't forget, under three days, he'll be cut off. Yet, he had the peace to sit down on the mountaintop, looking at that forsaken temple and that forsaken city. In his eyes, the entire Jerusalem, including the temple, was forsaken already. Looking at that forsaken thing, he said there, 
And these four ones, you know, the first two couples called by him in chapter one, these four, Peter, Andrew, John, James, they, among some other disciples there on the Mount of Olives, they ask the Lord Jesus privately, uh, tell us when will these things be? That means, when will this destruction be? And what will be the sign when all the things are about to be accomplished? Then verse 5 says, And Jesus began to say to them, Beware, lest anyone lead you astray. So this was a preparing word. He was there on Mount Olive, preparing them to receive his death. His absence from them. Francis, it's amazing that the Lord could be so close to his death, his suffering, and yet he was still so peaceful, even going to the Mount of Olives to make the end times clear to his disciples. Seems like the disciples were more nervous than he was about it. I would say they were much more nervous about his coming execution than he was because everything was in his hands. He was already prepared the opposers to see that this execution would take place, and now he's preparing his disciples for his absence. So uh, I think this is quite marvelous that the Lord could be at peace in such a situation. And then he was going to open to them a real warning to not be deceived. Many deceivers would come, he said, in the name of Christ, and would lead many astray. So we have to be aware that the Lord was very tender and very intimate with his disciples to prepare them for his coming crucifixion. You know, Francis, I think uh, before we go on and get into the verses that you just mentioned, because that's going to be our last section today, is the matter that he went up to the Mount of Olives and that to receive a revelation of the end times, to see the things that are going to happen in the end, we have to climb up to a mountain. It doesn't happen on the seashore. We have to get up. We have to get above our situation. We can't stay where we are. We have to come up. We have to get up. Amen. I think this is very crucial in our experience even. When we know that the Lord is going to open up something to us, we need to be where he is. And he's in a peaceful situation, and he's uh, aware, of course, of everything, what's coming and what he's preparing for but they need the comfort of the Lord's Word, and they need to be with Him. And this is a good lesson for us to have, to stay with the Lord and not be influenced by the deceivers and the opposers. He has to deal with those things, and He also is very tenderly caring for His disciples and opening to them what's coming for the future. That's why I like that verse that I read at the beginning of the program, Francis, from Second uh, Peter 1, verse 19, that it's, a, it's like a light shining in a dark place. Yes. In a sense, this was a dark place, and they didn't stay down. The Lord didn't just leave them down. He brought them up, yes. and he brought them up and gave them a sure word of prophecy that would be like a light shining in a dark place. Okay, let me read verses 5 through 8. Okay, this is uh, what we're going to end with today. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will lead many astray. 
And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. It must happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These things are the beginning of birth pangs. Let's go for Witness Lee to talk about these beginning of birth pangs. From the day of uh, the Lord's resurrection, from that day, a uh, great birth was going on. And this birth is the birth of an universal new man. You know, God created an old man, right? But that old man failed God, became useless in fulfilling God's purpose. So God, through Christ's death and resurrection, began to bring forth a universal new man. And these births, or this delivery, began from the time of the Lord's resurrection. Because we, God's called people, were all there, resurrected with the Lord. But that was not the complete delivery. The birth was not completed. The birth only began. From that time, these births began to last till what time, you know? Till the time of the great tribulation. Even these births will enter into the great part of the great tribulation. A long delivery. You have to realize from the day of Pentecost, Peter suffered. And all the ones who were with Peter in Acts, you could see they all suffered. And then Paul suffered. And you have to realize throughout the centuries, all the faithful ones suffered. And we are today still suffering. Why? Because the delivery of this universal new man has not been completed yet. In John 16, in a sense, at the Lord's resurrection, this new child was born. That is, in that sense. But in another sense, the universal new man, which is fully revealed in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 4. And this new man was not fully delivered. This new man is still on the way of uh, the delivery. And the way of the delivery is just a suffering way. All the persecution are considered by the Lord the birth puns. Francis, let's stop here and talk about these birth pangs. And even more importantly, who's been born through the birth yeah. that's referred to here by the Lord. In fact, before you start, just let me read what Witness Lee just referred to in John. It's John chapter 16, verses 20 through 22. I think it's helpful to hear these verses. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she gives birth, has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she brings forth the little child, 
she no longer remembers the affliction because of the joy that a man has been born into the world. Therefore you also now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice, and no one takes your joy away from you. Marvelous. So this is really uh, the new man being born through the Lord's death and resurrection. Yes, but we can't jump over the birth pangs. We have to realize that while that's true, there will be real joy and rejoicing because a man-child has been born. As you mentioned, the first man was created by God, but he failed. Now God has come to bring in the new man, the one new man. And this is a result of birth pangs, how he will be brought forth. I'm afraid many, many Christians have realized and this thought that when they got saved, that is when they got born again, or they got regenerated, that that was the whole picture, and now they're just waiting to go somewhere to be something. But the Lord's way is to warn us here and to even prepare us for birth pangs in the forming of that child, that man-child that was brought into being as an infant in the, the resurrection of Christ, now has to go through a period of time until the birth pangs can be completed and the, the man-child can be brought forth. So I hope that even this broadcast would help many Christians to realize that what they're going through, the sufferings they're seeing and the wars that they're experiencing and the other things that are happening in the world are such a, a suffering to believers. But this is part of the birth pangs that we must suffer in order to uh, have the man-child brought forth, the one new man. So I hope we could get this view this morning, or this today, that we would have this view that uh, there are these birth pangs which are necessary in order for the one new man to come into existence. This is a period of time for a long period of time where these things have been going on that he's referring to as birth pangs. There's wars, there's rumors of wars, there are sufferings, there's uh, all the things that the apostles went through early after the day of Pentecost. There was lots of suffering they went through. That's all part of the growth of life that will produce the growing child that becomes the one new man. You know, the one thing you didn't mention was the earthquakes yes. in various places. And, you know, being in Southern California, we experience earthquakes here. But he's talking about various places. Right. And uh, even across the earth, I was recently visiting a place that had a major devastating earthquake. And everyone was considering, what does God say about this? What does the Bible say? Well, it's a birth pain. Right. That's the simple answer. The Lord is coming. The end is coming. These are birth pangs when the new man, you know, described in Ephesians chapter 4, we can't get into the whole description of the new man, but it's being prepared through suffering. And eventually the Lord will come again. The new man will be prepared. So we have to give a, a, a sober word at the end here of warning, don't we, Francis? Yes, we do need to give a sober warning that these birth pangs are not the end. But these will come to an end. There will be the great tribulation at the very end. And after that three and a half years, there will be no more pangs, no more birth pangs. The man-child will be fully grown and fully developed. Francis, speaking of coming to the end, uh, 
we've done that today for this program. We've come to the end of this program, so thanks for joining me today. Thank you for letting me be with you. Thank you also for joining us. Uh, we'd encourage you to call us and get the printed materials that go along with this program. It's more detailed and documented than we can do on the radio. The phone number to call here at Living Stream Ministry is one eight 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 life study That's one eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. If you'd like to email us, you can email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Francis Ball, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today, and we encourage you to join us as we continue on with the life study of Mark. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.